welcome to part two of our 2015 season with the Melbourne Theatre Company Artistic Director Brett Shee, comedy writer Steve Weisard and director Sam Strong telling us more about the plays. Hello, I'm Fiona Gruber and I caught up with all three to hear about spooky Irish storytelling, Barbara Streisand's obsessions, adultery and the humour of war. Here's Brett to talk about the first play in the second half, Ariel Dorfman's traumatic classic, Death and the Maiden. I was lucky enough to be working for Sydney Theatre Company when we presented the Australian premiere way back when, and um, Ariel Dorfman actually came out. So I got to meet him, got to talk to him. He opened my eyes to, to a whole kind of world of political evil exploitation, uh, the consequences of accountability or no accountability in, in political action and so on. And I think it's absolutely appropriate and timely that we have a revival of this contemporary classic. Uh, the time is absolutely right for it. And we have the wonderful Susie Porter uh, starring in it with Letitia directing. Letitia Caceres, who is from Argentina, a country that suffered its fair share of dictatorship, torture and disappearances. And of course, this play is about Chile and a similar story of a young woman who has gone through prison and torture and then may or may not be facing her torturer. And Death and the Maiden opens on July the 18th. It's followed by a play of tall tales set in Ireland. Here's director Sam Strong talking about The Weir by Conor McPherson. Sam, what's The Weir about? Uh, the Weir has a really simple starting point uh, or premise, and it's almost it's almost as sort of simple and beautiful as a joke, uh, and that is that uh, it's set in a rural Irish bar. There's four regulars, sort of middle-aged men, I suppose, who hang out in the bar. Uh, but this one particular night, a woman from town, uh, from Dublin, has come to visit, and then these guys sort of take turns telling stories, initially to spook the woman, telling ghost stories, but then she ends up telling a story that trumps them all um, and leaves them absolutely devastated. Uh, so it's a consummate and beautiful piece of storytelling. Uh, it's possibly one of the best crafted things ever written, let alone the last uh, in the last 20 years, which is why it's become a bit of a contemporary classic. Well, we know the main actors well, Nadine Garner and Greg Stone, but what do we know about Conor McPherson, the playwright? Has he had any other plays on here? The Seafair has been seen here. Shining City, I think, has been seen in Australia. Uh, and I think his plays tend to be quite popular because they are beautiful acts of storytelling, uh, but they are also wonderful platforms for really deep transformational character acting. Fantastic. And The Weir opens on August the 14th. Harold Pinter's 1978 play Betrayal was partly inspired by his own seven-year-long extramarital affair with English TV presenter Joan Bakewell. Here's Brett. Pinter is the master, uh, a master especially of economic language, and Pinter's economy, I think, is dazzling. And what's extraordinary about this play is it's the first time on a main stage, I think, that reverse chronology was used. So we work backwards from... The present time in the relationship between the three people who are involved in these relationship betrayals right back to their original meeting of all three. It is State Theatre Company of South Australia's own production, which we were very keen to bring in, not only because Geordie Brookman is directing it, and Geordie, of course, is the artistic director there, but we're also dead keen to get Alison Bell back on the stage in Melbourne, and she's starring in Betrayal. And Pinter's Betrayal opens on August the 26th. On a very different note, let's hear a bit about the MTC's family-oriented plays. Your um, introduction of plays for families and children has been very successful. Tell us a bit about the offerings you've got for 2015. Yeah, and look, quickly to recap, um, we're very keen to get back into the family 
theatre space. Uh, we began it with The Book of Everything and followed that with Big Bad Wolf. Uh, Marlon was third cab off the rank. And next year we have The Boy at the Edge of Everything. It's a play written by Finnegan Krukemeyer, who's a Tasmanian writer. Uh, but this play has already had its world premiere in the United States. And this is its Australian premiere. It's a beautiful story uh, about a boy who's very much subject to the pressures of the 21st century. Um, he's only young, but, you know, there's, there's after-school sports practice, there's music lessons, there's his homework, all of the demands put upon him or expectations uh, by his family, by his school, by those around him. And finally, he'd just love to take a break from it all. And through a magical moment and meeting of celestial minds, he gets in touch with another boy who literally is on the other side of the galaxy, on the edge of everything. And it's a play about the relationship between those two and kind of what shakes down. It's it's a beautiful work. It's for ages eight and up. And there's no one eight or 80, who I think won't fall in love with this piece. And also in the young people space in the education program, we have a new Swedish play, I Call My Brothers, is its title, by Jonas Hassan Kamiri. And this work will be touring schools here in Melbourne, but then touring regional Victorian schools. And it recreates 24 hours in the mind of a young Arab man Uh, following a terrorist attack and deals with a host of very important issues around ethnic tensions, around prejudice, racial profiling, and so on. So that's how I call my brothers. So they're two works specifically being created for young people by the company, and we're thrilled to have them in the program. And uh, The Boy at the Edge of Everything is on in September and being directed by Peter Houghton, which is great to have him back at the Melbourne Theatre Company. Now, one of the stars of last year's Neon Festival was Sisters Grimm, The Sovereign Wife by Declan Green and Ash Flanders. Now he's starring in a new play, Buyer and Seller by Jonathan Tolins. You know this play from New York, don't you, Brett? I saw it in New York in March of this year. In fact, I'd, I'd just gone down to New York after we'd premiered Rupert uh, up at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. And it it's fantastic. It's an absolute romp. It's a one-man tour de force. I don't want to give too much away about the story, but I think we can begin by saying uh, Barbara Streisand published a book some time ago called Passion for Design, which talked about her passion for design, but also uh, some of the things that she's enamored of collecting, like Tiffany lamps, dolls, costumes, memorabilia, etc. And allegedly, in the basement of her house, she has separate rooms for each of these collections to be stored in, uh, but it's actually laid out perhaps like a shopping mall. So she can go and wander through the shopping mall and go into a doll shop or go into a Tiffany lamp shop and see all of her collection of things. The premise of the story is that she would like someone to be the mall or store manager. So she anonymously, of course, advertises the position and a young guy who is a massive Barbara Streisand fan applies for the job. Can't believe uh, when he pulls up at the address that this is Barbara Streisand's house. Takes the job, uh, sits in the mall day after day hoping for something to happen. Nothing happens. Um, he's left with just playing with the dolls and lamps and things until finally the day arrives where she descends from above. 
and Ash Flanders has to play all of the characters. It's, it's wonderfully funny. Uh, but it's also a really interesting comment, I think, on consumerism, um, on collecting things, on what sort of things give us comfort, and also on celebrity and fan culture. A, a terrific work. It's, it's a cult hit in America. It's just finished a full sellout national tour, and we're thrilled to have the Australian premiere, of course, with Ash starring. And do we know, does Babs like it? Is Barbara Streisand a fan of this play? I don't think anyone's certain, uh, but I do know that the play has happened in cities all over America. Uh, so I'm imagining she's not dissatisfied or displeased with it. Byron Seller opens on October the 30th. The last play of the year, The Last Man Standing, is by Steve Vizard with music by jazz legend Paul Grabowski. It opens on November the 6th, and here's Steve Izard to share his vision of how an Anzac celebration of the centenary of Gallipoli can be such a source of humour. So, Steve, tell us a bit more. Yeah, the idea of Gallipoli in a national story, as, as Gallipoli almost as a foundation myth, is something that uh, has puzzled me for some time. Why Gallipoli? Why is it so important to us? So I wanted to look at that, and I, I thought the best way, the most interesting way to do it, was to approach it as a comedy um, in the centenary year, everything is, and right, rightly so, we're looking at it as a form of remembrance in a, in a sacred way. But a comedy can approach things from a different angle so that we can turn it on its head. We've got no preconception. It's actually about how we remember Gallipoli. Paul Grabowski, my very good friend for many years, beautiful composer, he's written the music for this. Uh, I would say it's a comedy that's got a poignant edge to it at the end of the day. Here's Brett. Uh, Steve and Paul got in touch with us and said that they were working on a piece which they thought could be a terrific commemoration of the Anzac centenary. So it's a play about Gallipoli and a centenary concert. So that's the sort of opening premise, isn't it? It is. A, a commemoration concert is being planned. Uh, it's turning into a quite kitsch, all singing, all dancing, potential fiasco. And the government brings in an Afghanistan war hero, uh, Colonel Raymond Hope, to try to whip it into shape because it's going to be nationally televised and this is the big moment for the nation. And in Colonel Hope pulling it together, it becomes apparent that indeed there is actually one last surviving Anzac uh, who was the oldest Australian, aged 115. There's a reason why no one is aware of the man's existence. That reason is revealed in the play. And Clary Flint, who is this last surviving Anzac, is essentially wheeled out for the great moment and the great reveal in this commemoration concert. But then what then unfolds uh, is quite extraordinary, breathtaking even, and um, as I said, deeply moving. And just as you've got Simon Phillips directing North by Northwest, his predecessor, Roger Hodgman, is directing this play. Absolutely. This is, this is an incredible kind of gathering of MTC di directorial alumni. Uh, so we've got, you know, decades of directorial experience on stage this year. I love that, that, you know, in my third program that I've been privileged to put together, I can have all of those people working with the company yet again. Brett, she thanks very much indeed. It's been a pleasure. Last Man Standing opens in preview on the 6th of November, with official opening night on Remembrance Day, the 11th of November. So, that's it folks. To find out more and to buy tickets, visit our website on mtc.com.au or phone us on 03 86 
0800.